I'm Mark Kennedy, and this is the Healthy Nomics Podcast, episode 29, with guest Mario Fraioli. Welcome back, everyone. As always, thank you for listening. If you're new to the Healthy Nomics Podcast, this is typically an interview-based show where I talk to some of the best minds in running, from coaches to physiotherapists to nutritionists and even the athletes themselves. And if you listened to my podcast before, thanks for coming back. Before we get to today's interview with Mario Fraioli, I want to let you know about my None to Run Challenge. The next challenge starts April 1st, 2017. The challenge is a great way to get motivated, support, and to help you make running a habit. And there's some great prizes to be given away like free running shoes, t-shirts, strength training gadgets, and lots of other cool running gear. I want you to throw long distances and fast paces out the window. One month, five runs of five minutes or more per week. Are you in? Go to nuntorun.com slash challenge to sign up. On to today's interview with Mario Fraioli. A cross-country All-American at Stonehill College, Mario has coached both elite and age group runners and was the men's marathon coach for the Costa Rica marathon team at the 2012 Olympics. Most recently, Mario helped start Ekadan, a company that leverages technology to bring great human coaching experience to more runners. He shares his thoughts on running and other topics that interest him in the morning shakeout, his weekly email newsletter to which I subscribe and look forward to reading each week. In this episode, we talk about Mario's photography hobby and coffee habit, lessons Mario has learned during his time as a runner and coach that apply to runners of all levels, some specific running workouts that beginners can do to break up the monotony of slow running, ways you can recognize when progress is being made besides just running speed, Mario's non-negotiable aspects of a good running training program, his favorite strength exercises, and a simple routine to elicit athleticism and to make you a better runner, the benefits of having a running coach, and Mario's favorite running books, and much, much more. The show notes for this episode will be at healthynomics.com slash 29. There you'll also be able to download the transcript for this episode. Enjoy the show, everybody. Welcome to the Healthy Nomics Podcast. Boosting your health and fitness IQ. One episode at a time. And now your host, Mark Kennedy. Hi, Mario. Welcome to the Healthy Nomics Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no worries. I've been a huge fan of yours for a while and following all your work uh, online. Uh, and most notably, your, your newsletter called The the Morning Shakeout, which uh, I've been subscribed to for, I'd say, how long has the newsletter been out? I feel like I've been on the list for maybe a year, year and a half. Yeah, that's uh, then you would be one of the early adopters. We're at issue 61, so just over a year of morning shakeouts which comes out on tuesday morning um every week and i've been pretty consistent publishing oh. it so if you've been getting it for a year year and a half or well not quite a year and a half we haven't hit that yet but if you've been getting it for a year you're one of the early adopters yeah no it's i highly recommend it what's the what's the url for people if they want to check that out i'll put it in the show notes but we may as well get that url right off the get-go yeah just the morning shakeout.com which is sign up form right on the home page and you can subscribe and start receiving it in your inbox on tuesday morning awesome um, so to kick things off, uh, can you just uh, take a few minutes, tell us uh, a little bit about you, sort of where you grew up? Uh, I know you went to college and, uh, and ran cross country there. So maybe go into a bit about college and uh, your history with running and then what you're up to now. Yeah, I grew up in Massachusetts, spent most of my life there, started running in high school as a junior, mainly to keep in shape for basketball, which was my first love. Um, I had a coach who had encouraged me to run cross-country for conditioning purposes, preseason conditioning, before the basketball season. But my competitiveness took over. 
I had had some early success. Uh, long story short, ended up sticking with it. Had a decent high school career. Had finished seventh in the Massachusetts State Championship for cross country division two my senior year. Uh, had run some decent times on the track, a 436 mile, 952 mile. Really um, wanted to run in college or I should rewind and say, ever since I was a kid, I really wanted to be a collegiate athlete. First, I thought it would be in, in basketball, but once I sort of shifted my focus toward running, that became my primary objective. So I was really keen on running in college. I went to Stonehill in Massachusetts, which is a Division II NCAA school. When I arrived there in 2000, this school didn't have much of a a program. I shouldn't say it didn't have much of a program. It didn't have much of a competitive history. It, it had had a program for a while, but it really wasn't that good. In my freshman year, we were next to last in the New England Cross Country Championships. That's all the schools, collegiate schools in, in New England. We finished next to last. We only beat one Division Three school. Um, I had had an okay year, but really the program was just starting to, to build some momentum and get some better runners in there. And over the course of four years, we improved as a team. Um, we qualified for the Division II National Championships my senior year and finished 12th. Um, I had gone individually the two years prior. Um, I was an All-American my senior year in, in cross country. I'd run just under 31 minutes for, for 10K, um, finished in the top 30 at the national meet. Um, on the track, I, I stuck with the mile to 5K distances that was sort of my sweet spot on the track and in, in college and I had qualified for the division two national championships in the mile um, had run a personal best of 409 and had run under 1440 for for 5,000 and by the time I graduated just was really into running it was my primary focus um, in my life at that point and I didn't really know what I wanted to do um, professionally but I knew um, that I wanted it to involve running to some degree. And that was, you know, 12, 13 years ago now. Um, and since then I've, you know, I still, I still compete a little bit, but I've shifted most of my focus toward coaching other runners and writing about the sport. And I've done that in various capacities, uh, since I've, since I graduated from college back in 2004. That's awesome. And then you're doing some coaching or is coaching uh, your main thing right now? Yeah, I split my time between coaching and writing and it's a it's a fairly even split these days. It hasn't always been that way. It was primarily writing and a little bit of coaching on the side, but it's uh, it's certainly balanced out here in the last six months or so. And I've been coaching runners since I graduated school in 2004. So going on 13 years now. And it started very informally with my former teammates who knew that I was a complete nerd about training. I really just obsessed over whatever I could get my hands on from old biographies of, of great runners to whatever training was posted online or that I could get my hands on um, various books and and whatnot. I, I was just really, and still am really obsessed with with training theory and Kind of how it all fits together and what works for some people uh, versus what works for others and um, all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, I started very, as I said, to very unofficial capacity, um, helping out my former teammates, and it just sort of grown from there to the point where, in the last six months, I helped start 
an online coaching company called Ekaden. And one of my major goals as the director of coaching is to make, you know, quality personal coaching uh, more readily available to runners and, and to help more runners see the value in having a great coach who can really help take their training and racing to the next level. Well, that's great. I actually want to talk about, uh, that's one of my questions for you later about uh, the benefits of coaching. And uh, yeah, and I myself have uh, had a coach for my last two or three sort of uh, big races, a couple of marathons and a, and a half marathon. And um, yeah, I mean, I see the benefits, but I'd love to hear your take on that. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, my the focus of my website and podcast is primarily to help um, uh, runners who are the, the beginning of their running journey. Um, so I'm excited to see where our conversation takes us. But I, I first wanted to um, chat about a couple of what it looks like hobbies of yours, um, which look interesting to me. Uh, one being photography. Uh, it looks from your Instagram that you're in photography and the other being coffee, which I'm a, a big coffee snob. So uh, I'd love to hear sort of uh, about those couple hobbies of yours. Yeah, of course. Uh, those are two things that I am certainly very interested in that I don't often talk about, but yeah. I do love I do love both. Um, I've really gotten into photography. Photography, um, I'd say, really in just the last maybe five years or so. And up until recently, I never owned what I would call a, a good camera, a real camera. But I'd, I'd always have my iPhone with me, and I've been an iPhone user since like iPhone 3G or so, um, quite some time ago, I think it was like 2008 or 2009, I, I got my first iPhone and um, I always had it with me. And I remember a photographer friend of mine told me the, the best camera is the one that you have with you. So I would just take it out and, and start shooting and messing around with different angles and uh, shooting different subjects, whether it was a landscape or still object or runners in motion. And really, you know, that's accelerated in the last few years as the phones themselves and the cameras have gotten gotten better. And uh, you know, at first I, I was I would be ashamed to admit this a few years ago, but now I I have no problem doing so. I run with my phone almost all the time, unless I'm doing you know a really serious workout or I, I'm just doing a short shakeout where I want to be with my own thoughts. But I've I've got my phone on me most of the time, and when I'm when I'm running or I'm coaching, I you know I like to document those experiences, and rarely do I ever set up shots. I just sort of try to document things as, as they happen, um, which is a lot of fun for me. And, you know, concurrent with that, I've, I've gotten into photo editing a bit and have sort of just kind of self-taught myself, you know, taught myself how to, uh, to edit photos and, and use different, you know, apps and features and filters and, um, effects to, to make mobile photos look better. And, and in this past year, I did get, Finally got my first real camera, Sony A7, and my wife got me a, a photography lesson for my my 34th birthday, and um, learned how to use an actual camera. But I don't I don't carry that around with me quite yeah. as as often as I have my phone. So most of my photos are still taken with the iPhone. But um, you know, I just I've grown to love taking pictures. It's it's really become a, a passion passionate hobby of mine. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I, I check out some of your uh, Instagram photos on there and you, you take some really good shots and hence I just wanted to ask you about that. Um, and the other one was coffee. I'm a huge coffee snob and I know there's some really good coffee in around the Bay Area where you live. So uh, what's your what's your go-to uh, coffee order if you're at a, like a specialty coffee shop? 
Yeah, it, it's funny that we're talking about coffee because I delayed this call about five minutes so I could make myself a cup while nice. we're out of here. Um, but yeah, the Bay Area is a is a hub for great coffee, and it's funny I I never drank coffee growing up. Um, certainly not in high school, never in college. It wasn't until probably my mid twenties that I started drinking coffee, and I can't really tell you what turned me on to it. Um, but I've I've become a little bit of a snob in the last uh, in the last few years probably since I moved to California, certainly the Bay Area, and yeah. developed an appreciation for for good coffee. And I, I like to try different beans from, from all over the world. And um, you've got a lot of people up here who are, um, you know, my wife would be one of them who are, who are wine connoisseurs. They really like to go wine tasting and they can really tell the difference between different types of wine. I feel like I've developed that kind of palate with coffee. And I love um, I love just sampling beans from from all over uh, different types of different types of roast roasting uh, brewing methods. Um, experiment with a little bit of that myself. Um, and uh, I don't know I don't know that there's there's coffee that I that I I don't like. I don't know that I necessarily have a, a favorite here. There are a couple of local roasters, Equator Coffees and um, Blue Bottle, certainly that. I tend to gravitate toward more often than yeah. than others, but there's other smaller smaller roasters. Red Bay um, is one of them. A lot of small little coffee shops that I like to visit. That they bring in beans from from all over the world, which I like to try out. So yeah, I mean, I I'd say I like you know I like it all. That's cool. What's your uh, go to method of making coffee at home? Do you do um, a press or uh, I don't know something fancy like a Chemex or something? Or what's your go to? Not quite that fancy. Um, I use an AeroPress almost exclusively. Okay. Um, it makes a great cup of coffee. My wife is not a coffee drinker, so rarely do I ever have to make it for more than anyone but myself. Um, so I tend to I tend to go to the AeroPress. It's really easy to um, you know to use and to clean up, and it just really makes a great cup of coffee, and it travels well. Yeah, I, I need to get one of those actually because it's traveling where yeah we. My wife and I were traveling a few years ago throughout Southeast Asia, where you could you could find coffee there. But um, we were six weeks in India, and um, a lot of the coffee had you put so much sugar in it, and it's hard to get them to not put the sugar in it. Um, so I was just like, man, I wish I had um, some sort of portable method of making good coffee on the road. So maybe that'll be it. Yeah, the Aero AeroPress is great. As I said, it travels well. It's easy to clean, easy to use, uh, and just makes a great cup of coffee. That's great. Um, so let's segue into uh, let's talk about some running now. Um, sure. Get the get the fun stuff out of the way. Um, so as I mentioned, we, we I focus a lot on beginner runners. So just off the get go, so is there any particular lessons you've learned in your running journey? along the way that have made you a better runner that's applicable to runners of all levels, you know, from beginners all the way up into the pros you deal with? Sure. I mean, at some point, we're all beginners, right? I remember for for me, I started running in high school, as I said, to keep in shape for basketball, but I was a beginner. I'd never run recreationally before that. It wasn't something I enjoyed. I mean, the sports I played, basketball and a little bit of football and some baseball, running was a means of conditioning or a means of punishment. So learning to enjoy running was something that took some time. I, I didn't love it from the first day. I remember after finishing my first training run in high school, uh, telling the coach that I didn't want to run over 800 meters. Um, <laughs> and he, you know, he told me that I, I would be running the two mile on the track and that was that. Um, but 
you know, regardless of whether you're you're pursuing running as a competitive sport or as a recreational activity, um, I do think for most people it is kind of an acquired taste, and you've just got to give it some time to. Um, to really become part of, of your life and part of your routine. And, and it really is, I do think, a, a lifestyle for a lot of people. Um, you know, their running is a big part of their day and, and in some cases a big part of their identity. But that, you know, that doesn't happen right away. It certainly doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. So I think developing that patience when you first get started to, you know, really um, give yourself time to enjoy it, give yourself time to you know, see some improvement, uh, realize that it's not going to be a super, super smooth road from the beginning, but, you know, it can and, and will be something that if you stick with it and you find enjoyment in it, that can bring a lot of fulfillment to your life, uh, whether that's competitive or not. Yeah, that's great. That, uh, that resonates with me as well. Um, a lot of my new beginner runners, uh, ask them if, whenever they sign up to my uh, beginner runners email series, what's sort of their biggest struggle. And I often hear motivation um, as being one of their top struggles. Um, but I often wonder for, for beginners and maybe even more experienced runners, do you think it actually is motivation or is it discipline or perhaps a combination of both? Yeah, I think, I think a combination of both. Um, running's hard work, even especially when you're first getting started. Um, you're asking a lot of of your body and mentally and emotionally it you know it takes some effort to get up off the couch or get up off the chair um, and get out the door and and that that certainly applies to beginners but also experienced runners as well i mean not you know i know people who've been at it for many many years and it's still you know that first step out the door is is the hardest so i do think it is some you know some combination of of those two things um, that most people tend to tend to struggle with but you know sometimes that's a you know that's an ongoing struggle and it's just part of the the process and part of the you know part of the achievement is is getting past you know that those motivational struggles um and just and just getting out the door and, and for most people once you do you're you're glad you got out and you're glad you start started moving you know very rarely do people regret when they finally have, have gotten up off their butt and gotten out the door yeah i agree and often i think People should take, like, I mean, I go through it too. There's sometimes when I'm a lot more highly motivated than others. And when you do feel that um, burst of motivation, like take advantage of it because um, you're not going to always have it. And then those times when you're yes. not that motivated, that's where I guess where the discipline comes in and you just get out there. And I often tell people, uh, perhaps uh, you, you see the same thing, but don't judge a run by the first five or 10 minutes. Like sometimes right. I'll, I'll get out there and feel awful and then you warm up you get going you get in the right mindset and uh, all of a sudden you're like oh this isn't so bad i feel pretty good now yeah there's a there's a quote that i i love and it's attributed to a guy named john najuji i think that's how you say it um he's a multiple time world cross-country champion for for kenya and the quote is don't waste good time and how i interpret that is when you have that motivation when you're feeling good um, don't hold yourself back. You've kind of got to roll with it. Um, you know, you've kind of got to roll with it um, because you just, you know, that's not a guarantee every day when you're, you know, when you're heading out the door. Um, so I think that quote is is applicable to certainly competitive runners, but beginners as as well. When you 
when you feel that that runner's high, so to speak, um, you know, appreciate that and and you know let it you know kind of let it move you forward. I like that. Um, and what about when sometimes runners and I think again this is not just for beginners, but probably people all the way up uh, to the pros, but they can get into a rut. Um, but for beginners who maybe aren't that familiar with uh, the different types of workouts that uh, might be available to them. What are some types of running workouts that beginners can do to break up the monotony monotony of just going out and, and running slowly? Yeah, I think the the first and simplest way to start including some workouts is just by doing strides. And what that can be, you know, they're just 20-second accelerations either right after you run, um, something to look forward to when you finish where you get to run a little bit faster. Um, and play with some speed or you can incorporate them throughout a run I you know I often have my my runners do that you know in the last mile or two of their run throw in between six and ten 20 second strides where they pick up the pace for 20 seconds and they're running I tell them quick but controlled and then there's a you know a minute of jogging in between those efforts and that can be you know for more experienced runners a um, a speed maintenance type of workout, but for new runners that can be, you know, a speed workout or a segue into doing, you know, more challenging speed workouts. So that's always a, a good safe place to start. The other thing, um, I would recommend to beginner runners is to go find a, a hill. Um, and the reason I, I say that is a hill is going to challenge you in, in different ways. It takes quite a bit more effort to certainly get up, um, a hill, whether it's short or whether it's long, but it's also going to help you, um, help your running mechanics, promote good form. Um, certainly going to challenge you, but it's also a lot safer than running on flat ground or, or downhill because you're going, um, kind of against gravity and the, the impact forces on your body are a lot less. So it's, you know, I say Frank Shorty used to say hill, hill workouts, you know, hills are speed work in disguise, but they're also what I would call safe speed workouts. And I think those are probably two pretty easy, but effective ways to start, you know, start switching up your training a little bit and doing a little more than just running. How do actually strides for a beginner runner, how, how are they going to strides improve their running or what do strides, what, what are they doing? What's actually the purpose behind them? Yeah. So what strides are going to do, um, you're certainly going to pick up the pace a little bit, but you're going to start engaging, like actually engaging more muscles than when you're just running easy. Um, and most people, when they're running faster, they're running more efficiently. So what that's doing is it's it's promoting good mechanics uh, and it's helping you become a more efficient runner. And if you do strides once, they're not going to do a whole lot for you. The key is doing them consistently. So I recommend even for new runners doing them like two, three, you know, times a week if that's how many times that they're running or almost after after all of their easy runs because they're not they're not a lot of stress on the body, but what you're doing is, you know, you're training, you know, it's, it's neuromuscular training in a way because it's, it's so short and it's so fast. Um, but what it's doing is it's, it's promoting good mechanics. It's going to help you build speed and it's going to help make you more efficient. That's awesome. And what are some ways, uh, for runners to recognize that they're actually making progress other than perhaps just, um, you know, their time for a certain distance. Uh, what are some ways that they can actually think, oh, wow, I'm actually making some progress here, even though maybe I'm not running any faster? Sure. I think piggybacking off of what we had talked about a little while ago, 
um, running starts to feel a little bit easier. You're able to, you know, maybe you're able to cover the same distance a little bit faster and that's always, you know, a sure sign of improvement. But, you know, maybe, maybe that same pace that you were running before just feels a lot easier. Um, if you measure your heart rate, your heart rate would probably be a lot lower, um, at that same speed because, you know, after you've developed some consistency and, and developed some fitness, um, you know, it's going to, that same pace is going to feel a lot easier. And then, and then also the whole motivation factor, I think as running gets easier, it becomes a little more fun. Um, and that mm -hmm. doesn't mean you aren't challenging yourself, but you know, it's always, it's always more, uh, appealing to head out the door when you're doing something that, that you enjoy and it doesn't take quite as much to, to pull you off of the couch. So I think those are, those are two things aside from, you know, increasing your distance or running a faster pace that are signs of improvement. Yeah. And what about form? I know, um, I mean, a lot of the advice out there now is don't really fiddle with your form that much. Um, as you run more, your biomechanics and form will improve naturally. Is that the case? To a degree. Yeah. I mean, you know, your form will find itself but i think especially for new runners one of the one of the best and most important things that they can do right from the get go before they start increasing their distance is is paying a little bit more attention to form and technique um and doing you know doing drills in addition to just you know just easy runs mm -hmm. um you know and, and it's not it's not a huge commitment on on your time we're talking 5 minutes the key is just doing it you know, doing it really consistently. And, and that's, you know, not me recommending like one specific type of form, but there are just basic drills that you can do series of skips and high knees and butt kicks and strides that we had talked about. If you're doing those things regularly, um, that's going to, every time you do that, it's going to reinforce good mechanics. And I think it's important to, you know, like anything else, um, just doing them, you know, doing them consistently is going to help is going to help that process of, of finding your form and, and letting it come a little bit more naturally to you. Okay. Um, and this is a sort of a good uh, segue into perhaps uh, the other aspects of, of training for running, um, perhaps flexibility or strength training, but are there any non-negotiable aspects of a training plan uh, aside from the running uh, that you would put together for a beginner or uh, an experienced runner? Yeah, the one thing I, I tell all runners, even some of the pros that I, I work with, is we we can't ever get too far away from working on our athleticism. And many runners just run because it's it's easy to do. You just put your shoes on and you go out the door and you can get in a great workout in, in 30 minutes. But running only trains uh, certain muscle groups. It only trains certain energy systems. You're only moving, you know, in one plane usually. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's where runners can get stale and sometimes get injured. So by working on your athleticism, by going to the gym, doing some mobility work that forces you to move in ways that you don't when you're just running, by doing some full body strength training, you know, where you're not going to bulk up, but you're just, you're balancing out your body so that, you know, some of those st small stabilizer muscles are getting stronger. Um, if you move to the trails, you've, you know, you've addressed some of that athleticism that's necessary to, 
you know, to run well on the trails. It's really fascinating to me how many runners they, you know, they run the same roads all the time or they run on the treadmill and then they, they go on the trails and it's just an easy run. They're super, they're super sore afterward. And it's because, you know, they start engaging muscles that they, they've been neglecting for a long time. So I think by working on your athleticism and becoming a, a better overall athlete to a, to a degree, and again, it doesn't take much. You can do this in, you know, less than an hour a week if you do it consistently. Um, that's going to help. That's going to help your running. It's really going to complement your running, not take away from it. Do you have any favorite strength exercises that you recommend for people? Yeah, I've got. If you if you were to just search my name, Mario Fraioli, and um, body weight strength circuit, um, the first one that that comes up is just a basic body weight routine that I wrote for. I think first for Competitor Magazine a few years ago, and I've since modified it quite a bit. Um, but really it's, it's a lot of just basic body weight exercises, various types of, of pushups and squats, um, lunges, weighted and unweighted, um, you know, reverse dips, uh, you know, something like a burpee, like things, just things like that, that are basic body weight gym exercises that can really, you know, really help you become an overall better athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that um, the way you uh, talk about athleticism, and uh, yeah, that, that resonates a lot with me. Um, what's happening out there in the world of running um, from a science or research perspective or, or technology perspective that really excites you right now? It's a great question. I I tend not to get too excited about <laughs> about science, and I know I know that's. A big part of your background, um, and that's not to, to discount or discredit science at all. Um, but it's interesting. I listened to a, a great podcast the other day with Jack Daniels, who has an exercise physiology background, is one of you know the I think one of the greatest coaches ever, and someone who I look up to and admire and have learned a lot from. And you know, I think he does a great job of of letting science, like basic scientific principles. Um, you know, guide his training, but he looks at it through a very practical lens. Mm-hmm. And I, I see some great examples of that with someone like Jack, who, you know, is now in his 80s and has been doing this for a long time um, and knows the science inside and out, but, you know, really takes a practical approach to developing training schedules and working with individual athletes. Um, Steve Magnus is another um, science-based coach who who coaches in a very practical way and I, I see that as kind of a micro trend is not becoming too absorbed in heart rate numbers and pace numbers and lactate threshold numbers and like all of these things that um, you know if, if you really get deep into it can can really whittle running down into almost like a lab experiment but you know being guided by by certainly those values and those principles but you know, also being very practical when, you know, thinking about, about training and not, you know, not just being guided completely by, you know, by the science. Um, so I see that as kind of a trend, um, from a tech standpoint, um, what I've seen and what I've been testing, you know, on the other end is, uh, power meters for running, uh, for runners, I should say, um, are something that I think we're going to hear more about in, in this next year, uh, there are a couple products on their on their way out to market and trying to to measure a power number for runners, similar to um, how power is measured in in cycling, and using that as a training metric um, rather than 
than pace or heart rate or maybe you know in combination with those things so i i don't know um what kind of legs power has for runners just yet i've been testing a unit myself and it's it's interesting but it's it's still not really doing a whole lot for me yet but i, I think that's the thing like a lot of coaches are going to be experimenting a bit more with i certainly will um and seeing if it you know if it can help um you know quantify training in a in a better or different way yeah that's cool i'm looking forward to hearing uh more about that uh, as it comes out uh one thing i would love to ask you a little bit about uh is this whole project or uh, experiment that nike's doing with this sub two hour marathon um sure project um i i've read a little bit about it but um what are your thoughts about th- about that and do you think running a sub two hour and what are they thinking of doing this in the next year or so yeah so i i wrote a, a fairly controversial piece about this for my newsletter just a few weeks ago uh, about why i why the the sub two hour marathon project didn't excite me so for those who are unfamiliar with with this project, Nike is doing a, a sub two hour marathon project where they've handpicked three of their athletes, Elliot Kipchoge, Lalisa DeCisa, um, and Zarsene Tedese to, to become the first human beings ever to break two hours for a marathon. But, you know, they're going to do it essentially in a, in a vacuum. They haven't released where the location will be, but they've said it, you know, won't be in a sanctioned race. It'll probably be on a closed course at an ideal altitude and temperature and, um, you know, getting all the conditions perfect. Like they're going to create the perfect conditions um, for this to happen to make this, you know, this big jump from the current world record of 202.57 to 159.59. And, you know, there's certainly a technology component to it as far as the footwear these athletes will be using and apparel. And they're basically trying to give them every possible advantage that they can to see if they can if they can achieve this moonshot marathon and, and get someone under 15959 and for me um, you know as I as I wrote it's it's not really exciting to me because it feels very artificial um, I understand it's an exhibition and I think there's there's certainly some excitement to that and um, it's test certainly testing the limits of of human performance but I I really like situations that can be replicated, and I feel like this isn't a situation that would easily be replicated. They're not going to run marathons on this, you know, this special course regularly. Um, you know, the average person wouldn't be able to kind of compare their own effort to what these guys are doing, you know, in in a vacuum. And for those reasons, it doesn't really excite me. I like competition. I feel, you know, whether you're a newer runner or you're one of the best in the world, that um, competition is what brings out the best in everyone. Um, I think that's, I think competition is what, um, you know, is, will, will test you in, you know, in, in different ways. And um, I love seeing just kind of the the unpredictability of of putting people head to head and just letting them have at it and strategize and decide how they want to run a race and sometimes that means it'll go fast and other times it means it won't go so fast but i think there's i think there's an excitement and a drama to competition that um you know that is is hard to really choreograph um and and it sounds like this attempt from everything that i do know about it and there's not a lot that really is known about it um it's going to be a highly choreographed attempt with the sole goal of of just trying to to break this this barrier um but you know if if it draws up some buzz and um some outside interest in the sport and that can 
ultimately help move things forward from a fan perspective and and gets more people interested in running and marathoning then you know i think it's i think i think it's a success but um but i'm dubious well, and this is Nike too, so surely there's a, a marketing and a dollar uh, oh, sure. motivation yeah. at the end of the, at the end of the day as well. Um, so, as we mentioned before, yeah, you're a running coach, and um, I'm, I thought I mentioned that we would talk about this. Uh, so we're getting near to the end of the podcast, but um, what are the benefits of having a coach for someone that's a beginner and, and who thinks that you know coaching is only for elite athletes? Yeah, I mean that's one of the the biggest walls that I'm trying to to knock down is to let certainly beginners, but all runners, um, regardless of of where they fall on the experience scale, um, realize the the benefits of having a coach. And a lot of elite athletes certainly do do have a coach, um, but a beginner, um, I think, can learn a lot from a coach. And there are a lot of great coaches who you know, who specialize in working with new runners and understand how hard it is um, to get started and to keep at it and to overcome, you know, the initial beginner frustrations. Um, but, you know, these, uh, you know, a good coach for a beginner also has a lot more experience. So, you know, they can, you know, they can empathize when a new runner is struggling. They can understand the excitement when they've you know, run a mile for the first time or finish their first 5k, um, you know, or run a little bit faster than they did the week before and can, can help them from also just getting too far ahead of themselves, uh, especially when they start developing that love for running and that desire to go a little further, push a little bit harder. And, you know, the, the, I think one of the biggest benefits of having a coach, um, for those new runners who are getting excited and then, and then even elites who are, are trying to get even faster is, is having, you know, coaches is someone who can provide you an objective point of view on your, on your training, um, you know, who can keep you accountable, but can also, I think the biggest thing is hold you back when you need to be held back. You know, the most runners get themselves into trouble when they are highly motivated and, you know, they, they can be their own worst enemy sometimes because, you know, they'll push themselves too hard and overtrain or under recover and, and end up getting injured because of that. And, you know, whether you're a beginner or you're an elite who's been at it for a long time, um, once you've developed that love of running and then injury keeps you from doing it or something keeps you from being able to train and, and be in your routine and run the races you want to run and be around your friends, um, that's no fun. So I think that's where, uh, you know, a coach can just kind of look for those warning signs when, when a runner might be at the, at the brink of getting themselves into trouble, um, and can, you know, and can help prevent them from, from doing that, can hold them back when they need to be held back and can push them a little bit harder when it's appropriate to do so. Yeah. I know when I first started uh, getting into longer races and I was training for my first marathon, uh, when we were living in England and, um, yeah, I could have definitely used the coach just simply for preventing me from self-sabotage because, uh, like you, I grew up, um, playing a lot of sports and, uh, basketball and, um, so I was always athletic. So I, you know, if I felt good, I was like, if I feel good at 10 K, why wouldn't I just keep running 20 or 30 K? And, uh, I, I really paid for that. <laughs> Ended up with the uh, IT band syndrome and plantar fasciitis. And, uh, yeah, I was a bit of a mess. So anyways, yeah, and it, can, it can take a while to, and it can take a while to unwind those things once you get there. Absolutely. 
Uh, well, thanks for uh, for that. Um, so I want to respect your your time and um, where can people connect with you online if they want to reach out or follow some of your reading or check out your your new coaching uh, platform? Uh, can you give us some uh, places where people can go? Yeah, I think the best hub would just be my own personal website, mariofraley.com. Uh, that has links to just about everything else on there, the Morning Shakeout newsletter, my social media profiles, um, and then Ekadin Coaching, which is a um, coaching company that I, I helped start earlier this year. How do you spell Ekadin? E-K-I-D-E-N. Gotcha. Okay. And I'll put all the links to these in the show notes for people. Uh, well, Mario, thanks very much for your time and expertise. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I'm sure the listeners do as well. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. I had a blast. Thanks for listening to the Healthy Nomics Podcast at www.healthynomics.com.